0: So section B of this yeah. section on the approximation, or and what, this is whatever how it was
1: called this it. is how you know, Carl. Break up the chapters, dude. You don't need some. Sub- <laughs> good lord, what are you
0: doing? It's a big one. Uh, section B of section two. It's it's a big uh-huh. one. Uh, he says, was "Prolongation the of, of the work. working day." So he says, "You know, now with machines, we can work longer. That's that's a whole section. Actually, we can probably skip it. But we I have some highlighted shit. It might be, but important. it's important. Uh, it says, the automation as capital in it, and because Ed is capital, is endowed in the person of the capitalist. With the intelligence and will, it is therefore animated by the longing to reduce to a minimum the resistance offered by that repellent, yet elastic worker barrier, man. Yeah. So, man is where you need the profit, but they're yeah. in your fucking way. And that, Dick! Like- that's an important thing you get to realize. Yeah. Says, this resistance is more of a lesson by the apparent lightness of machine work and by the more pliant mm-hmm. and docile character of the women and children employed on it. Another time where Carl is a little bit problematic. Yeah. Because you're basically yeah. just yeah. saying, Again, the ladies... children,
1: the, the children. maybe, but the, but the women just were, were, were nice and people like, um, Carl, yeah. come on. but, yeah, no, but women, women have been plenty
0: radical. Ex- I was about to say, uh, do not I discount. will say, though, something you may have been observing is the men were in the workforce for a while and the Possible. women were not yet. Possible. So maybe they just weren't privy from experience. Yeah. Other, otherwise, it's a problematic thing. Yeah. But uh, but the the importance there to me is that, like, yeah. God damn it, the workers are in my way. Uh-huh. You know, in no, like those that, articles, the problem with democracy is too much democracy. democracy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and this is, again, this is not a... Re- there is no... You can be the small... You know, you can be the, the guy on the line with your, with your team or whatever you want to call it. Again, yeah. at the end of the day the worker to capitalist relationship is antagonistic. Yeah. It is never ever, ever, ever by nature, by
0: definition, by design, going to line up. It yeah. can't, it won't. So the next he kind of gets into the fact that there's a time limit for constant capital. So constant capital degrades.
1: Yes, it does. And we've um, talked about this. It puts a certain amount of itself into the product. We keep going. It, it cycles back. You, you can factor that. Again, yeah. if you assume a linear version of Just a straight linear depreciation it degrades you know one tenth of a year whatever
0: yeah so basically and and but on that you know it's going to degrade in in non-use too because Mm -hmm. not only is it going to have exchange value maybe you haven't used it all you want to sell it back well that exchange value is going to go down over time or maybe its use value will go down because that that labor will become less valuable so when you have this constant capital it's going to to straight transfer to your other product Mm -hmm. But you got to do that as fast as possible and so its value doesn't drop that's before transferring.
1: The big one is there. This is, I think, the biggest part. Is you know, it loses in addition to material wear and tear. Because again, up to this point, we've been thinking, Marx has been kind of thinking in in the perfect world in a bubble. You know, you're only worried about you know the fat, you know the natural factors and not how the world really works. Yeah. And and so now you know. Yeah. Okay. Wear and tear is one part of it. But it also goes through what he calls moral depreciation. Yeah. It loses exchange value either because machines of the same sort are being produced more cheaply than it was, or because better machines are entering into competition. So while a machine may have a life of ten years, that the the you know the if it goes for ten years, you've made your money back. Life is good. That should be what the capitalist is thinking about. No, no, their whole thought process is. No, I have to get the most value out of it every minute of every day because someone somewhere is trying to fuck me and I've got to fuck him before he fucks me. Like that's the whole breakdown here. And so it is in the capitalist nature. It is, it is in their interest. It is baked into the scheme that they want to run it 24 seven. Any second that machine is turned off, they are losing money, period. Yeah. So they have, their only interest is to run that machine as much as the the physical limits of the day allows them. Which doesn't exactly line up with worker interests, because, you know, at three in the <laughs> no. morning, I'd rather not be on the steam press. Yeah, so what he's saying here
0: is, thanks to machinery, you know, lights can be on longer, women and children can work separate shifts from the men, um, or just have more people in general to work separate shifts, you can prolong the working day and use up this constant capital more quickly. And mm-hmm. that's... That's a pretty nasty side effect of machinery. Yeah. Um. You know, it- because the working day, you because they make this
1: argument that, well, the, but the work is not bad. And again, there, there's some va- there's some validity to it. You know, if I'm not out there breaking rocks with the pickaxe, yeah, is it is my day easier, quote unquote? Well, well, sure, potentially. So now my eight hour day has become a ten hour day, become a twelve hour day. But at a certain point, that it is just so grossly negligent of the other factors of work and yeah. what that does. And the more of my day that is taken from me and taken up by work, I don't care if it's mind-numbing. I actually probably care more if it's mind-numbing. What, what is my day, then, if not 12 hours to you, two hours to get home and sleep, and, and an hour to eat? I have nothing. Yeah. You take away my agency, and that's not a good thing.
0: No, that that's not a good thing. I also love, but Marx talks about uh, capitalists prolonging the working day. And he says he gets to exploit the sunny time of his first love, which is, of course, profit. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah Marx is good sometimes. He's, he's, he's good, really good sometimes. He's a, good. Uh, a little low, lower then, he says, Hence the application of machinery to the production of surplus value implies a contradiction which is eminent in it. Since of the two factors of the surplus value created by a given amount of capital, one, the rate of surplus value, can't be increased except by diminishing the other, the number of workmen. Mm-hmm. This contradiction comes to light as soon as the general employment of machinery is given to an industry. The value of machine-produced commodity regulates the value of all the commodities in the same sort. And it is this contradiction that is in, in turn drives the capitalist, without his being conscious of the fact to excessive lengthening of the working day in order that it may compensate the decrease in the relative number of laborers exploited by an increase not only of the relative, but also of the absolute surplus value. And this
1: is where you can't have... Again, you can think that you're... You know, there's these... Well, but no, but if you did it right, you know, if you were a good, good capitalist and everything, you could. You can't. You can't do it right because by the way that... You have to every every turn, and this is where the dialectic is great. At every turn, capitalism is contradictions. It's oh, I've got this great new thing, but now I can't exploit people as much. Oh no, what would it, it, it's contradiction after mm-hmm. contradiction, and 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 there is no greater benefit to the humanity because the next turn is always I have to exploit differently and more, and when you hit the the end of that. The next phase, where you gotta punch through to a new way of exploiting is is going to be traumatic and violent.
0: <laughs> yeah, and we're never we're never at the full. No, I mean there's there's no end game to capitalism. It just keeps going. No, exactly be beyond the sustainable level of capitalism, and then you go more, and you blow the world up. You drill into the core and you blow the whole thing up. Or you just let global warming zap at first.
1: Um, that I mean that is yeah. that is from
0: drilling the. core. It's, it's happening. So, yeah, yeah I mean, it's yeah.
1: it's going to. And again, this is that. The relationship to nature and kind of being in it you can it sound as hippy-dippy as you want to about it but it is it just something just not
0: looked and i think we get to it later in the chapter we, we have a special miracle planet okay yeah. a miracle planet mm-hmm. we have decided that there is maybe maybe one other planet Thousands of light years away, that could be like Earth in just the sense of possessing water. We don't know how toxic it is or how yeah. the, the temperature is. We have a special miracle planet that can sustain life. It's unbelievable, and capitalism is destroying it. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna skull fuck it into into into. I am <laughs> I am totally with Marx that that the dialectic relationship is it, it, it zigzags. It's not perfectly straight. Line, no, but it's generally progressive. Yeah. Yes. Right. I mean, and in, 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 and capitalism is a step forward. From feudalism in many ways, but feudalism, the old conquering slavery that Mark talked about being a dialectic, yeah. none of those have destroyed the only miracle planet that we can survive on. Not, not like this. Everybody out there who says Capitalism is the best system we've ever had.
1: Oh my god!
0: It is killing. The only thing we can live but, upon. But, but it's the greatest, ch- and it is the only system that's ever done that.
1: It's the greatest system of social change and and, and social change is fine. Improving the quality, the, the quality of, of life. That we're of of gonna any-
0: die. Yeah, yeah. It's that a we're bit, gonna
1: all die. It's a little bit of an issue. <laughs> that's a bad change. And it's so funny because I don't, I don't know. And so you've probably been a, remind me. Is it in this chapter or am I just it, the the conflict between cap when capitalists run into the issue of something as a resource versus something as a like something versus food versus something as energy and where in that conflict comes in oh shit i don't know if that is in this i choice. don't think it is and so we'll we'll I, I don't know a better we'll find a way to get there but again sure. it's that's i think that is important to look at because that is coming in it's happened very clearly before but i think we're about to see a whole
0: new version of it <laughs> and that is a super super relevant <laughs> Oh, Marx has said before that, that that the final world battle that wind up either bringing socialism or killing the world Full, No, will be over water. Fully automated gay luxury no, communism, no, no, David. We can do that. Yes, we, we, God damn okay, it. It's okay, fun, though. We can do that after we pay the reparations. Okay. <laughs> Okay. After we pay the reparations, okay. the global south. But then, do we get the fully automated, sure. gay luxury sure. communism? Sure. Okay. We, we have okay. to pay the reparations. Okay. To the global well, we'll southwest. do that first, and then so then that have to. Um, but Marxists, yeah, that. I don't think it's anywhere in Das Kapital. I don't think it's in, in Das Kapital. Like so again, I'm going I'm to. But gonna he de- said the final battle will be for water, and and it's you would talk about the shocking things that are coming true of Marx? Yeah. That uh, one. You well, I mean, why do you think the U.S. and people don't even realize what we're doing in? Nigeria, I think Nigeria is the company, the country uh, where we started drone bombing. I mean, Obama, being the first black president, was the first president <laughs> to start an active war in yeah, Africa in the United States. It's fun, <laughs> just magical, and we're still in that war. Yep. Not just Iraq and shit, we're still there, and that—that well, yeah, okay. that is over the Nile River. Yep, that—that <laughs> that is how fucking accurate Mark is being. Look at the, but again, you want to talk about
1: people do, and and, and we discuss. Well, but you don't have this innovation in socialism that you
0: see in capitalism. It's not going to be... You Look at ethanol. Oh, and I always forgot to mention, us, since we're talking about it, um, before you get to ethanol, because no. that's a good one. Um, canals. The U.S. Yeah. built the Panama Canals. the only reason Panama existed. The U.S. came down and said, Colombia, we're going to make a new country right here called Panama. It was just some weird... Weird predecessor to Rahava from like... Eddie Van Halen told me we must do it. We're doing it. (laughs) We're doing it. We built the tiny little Panama Canal, and we control all sea trade between those ports. And most trade is sea. Not not a lot of stuff shipped through air. It's much more expensive. Even now, the ocean is the big transport. Nicaragua, uh, the Sandinistas liberated that place from the fucking Contras. Who the U.S. Had, I mean, these were people that would tie parents up, and, and when you're in shock, you can't figure out moving or saying no or saying, just no. kill me instead. Tie parents up and make them watch their children die okay. as they were in shock in very brutal ways that I don't even want to describe in no, this podcast. rather not. Um, <laughs> thanks, Oliver North. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Oliver North, president of the NRA. Woo! Oliver fucking North. Uh You know, and and we're supposed to be pretending that suddenly people don't like Ortega, even though there's still wide support of him, because a little CIA PSYOP that was sieging a fucking college and lynching people in the street, but they're the good guy protesters. And that's all about the fact that Nicaragua is wanting to build a a simultaneous three-canal system across Nicaragua so that shipping doesn't have to go through the U.S., and socialists in anti imperialist countries Have can handle own. shipping through ports, and the U.S. is like, "Oh fuck, we got to topple Nicaragua." <laughs> Jesus, Christ. that's what that's about. Jesus so do not believe Christ. that bullshit. One second, Ortega is widely supported. That is insane. And Marx is again right. Water is going to cause <laughs> the final world war. But look at where they...
1: Look at and again, ethanol. Ethanol is a great because we live in Missouri. And uh, as someone that worked uh, in the Missouri Senate for a while, if there's one issue in the state of Missouri you don't fuck with, it's Anheuser-Busch. If there are two issues you don't fuck with in the state of Missouri, it's Anheuser-Busch and the corn lobby.
0: Okay, fair. Yeah,
1: fucking Monsanto.
0: It, it,
1: well, and it's not even, so Monsanto is, is the big, big one. This boils down to, again, that is one person. The other, we could... We are choosing. We have people dying from lack of food. It is a thing that happens. We, we don't produce enough food to feed people. Food well, prices on the whole are... We produce more. enough. If we don't give it to people. Food prices on the whole are rising at the same time. Why is this all... Of a, because we have shifted what used to be a food source to an energy source. Why would we do that? Because it's insanely more profitable to grow corn as ethanol than it is to grow corn as food. It makes me incredibly more money. If I take my field that I used to grow as food corn or feed grain or anything like that and convert it over to ethanol sales, I can sell it at 10 to 20 times the profit margin for the same product, the same growth. But all I'm doing is taking food out of the system because I found a new use for food that is more profitable than keeping me alive. And it's, so when we look at, in the state of Missouri, when you, uh, and it's fun because Missouri is a very, very Republican state. The
0: entire Senate is controlled (laughs) infinitely by Republicans. And that's a new thing, but the Democrats here were very much of the Clinton-esque. Yeah, it was bad. It was bad. Uh,
1: But there was, it was was interesting because, again, these conservative, no regulation, no incentive, free market, let it go guys, uh, they, they produced a bill in the Agriculture Committee, and it was to eliminate the subsidies to ethanol. Because the argument was, well, wait a minute. If you're subsidizing this as a state, why are we incentivizing it? If it's the best fuel source, if it's the best solution, wouldn't it win out in the market on its own? Yeah. Uh, oh, no, no, no. Because the other options are wind, are solar, are ju- things that these guys don't grow in their backyard for million-dollar profits. Oh, boy. Guess who got laughed out of that committee? <laughs> you you literally... It's, It's an argument of well, we know we could make food out of this, but we wouldn't make as much money doing that. So we're actively going towards a fuel source that we know is less efficient. Ethanol is not some savior thing. Us and Brazil are the two that are heavily invested in it. And it's because we can grow the fucking fuel source for it. And we're panicky because we're going to run out of oil or something to that effect. But instead of looking for the actual better solution or cleaner solution, we found one that we control the means of and then therefore set the price on. And so when food... And and energy coming to conflict, you see this most crushingly in capitalism. We are gonna starve ourselves because it's profitable to do so, and that's insane. You saw it in England, and and Marx, I think, referenced it at some point or, or in another work. Uh, but he talks a lot about the Corn Laws, which corn meant wheat. There, yes, it yes. meant wheat, and and so when you had ener- coal, we needed coal. Coal's briquette, coal is is on the surface of the. When you figure out, you know, carbon charcoal, you know, will yeah. fill it up and use it. They were ruining fields. They were ruining crop fields to do it. They, got to, they, were, they were creating famines. Yeah. <laughs> Literal famines to try and fuel the, the, the Industrial Revolution. Yeah. And they, they got to a breaking point. What happened when they got to that breaking point? They figured out we can go underground and steal it from there. <laughs> so we, give the, we, we found the breakpoint. Oh, oh, let's frack it. Let's strip, let's do all, you just find this next level and that's what it's going to, it's what's going to happen in corn and ethyl. If you pay attention to that, this is a great, whenever it becomes energy versus, versus food versus something that we need to sustain ourselves, capitalism will take us right to that brink and then come up with some miracle invention that, that no longer necessitates that and act like it's helping us instead of being the reason we're in this position to begin with. Wow. So that is Nathan's rant on fucking ethanol, and no, why that was
0: incredibly educational to me. I can't believe the audience is not benefiting for that. that yeah, was, thank you. That's, Holy cow! That's yeah. So uh, okay. and basically,
1: and, anytime you're buying a car, and they're like, it runs on ethanol. Punch that dude in the dick. Punch him. Punch him square in the penis, and tell him <laughs> no. That is bad. I will buy my electric car, zero emissions. And that's the other thing. it's such a transitory. It was like 20 years that we thought ethanol would be the thing, and it's super inefficient to make and super inefficient to burn, but it comes from corn, so it's clean.
0: God. <sighs> <laughs> All right. My rage has tempered a little bit. Yeah. No, okay. Cool. Oh. No, I, that was great. Okay. So we're going to go to part C of still section It's going to be a very long chapter. Uh, it says, the intensification of labor. It says, the moderate lengthening of the working day produced oh. by machinery in the hands of capital leads to a reaction on the part of society where the very sources of whose life are menaced, and thence to the normal working day whose length is fixed by law. Thenceforth, a phenomenon we have already met with, namely the intensification of labor, develops into something very important. Our analysis of the absolute surplus value had reference primarily to the extension or duration of labor, its intensity being assumed as a given. We now proceed to consider the substitution of more intensified labor for labor of a more extensive duration and the degree of the former. So yep. we're saying now with a machine, we used to either look at intensifying labor, and that was, that was uh, before the machine, we used to look at intensifying labor. That was just a Marx theory he talked about. Yeah. Or extending time, which is what he saw on a material basis. Now we're seeing the intensified labor in a tangible material way that you know is not just picking a better worker. Yep. And we're seeing it in unison with a lengthening day. Holy
1: fuck. (laughs) And and again, because we can make the work less back... Again, the capitalist knows I can't kill my workforce. He knows that. So now you found a way to work, you know, drive your John Henry into the ground. But with that, you know, you get that John Henry level of I beat the steam train, but you don't have to kill John Henry at the end of the story. He can just come back tomorrow and turn the machine back on. It's great. Yeah. Um,
0: It's... it's it would be great if it wasn't evil I <laughs> <laughs> really like you touched on John Henry that's a good good uh, uh, old tale oh that's yeah oh yeah that, exploitation the, yeah that
1: I don't think it's told anymore because
0: it's... Uh, uh, you know what? Weirdly enough, Disney, one of the, 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 the most exploitive, just because they thought it was one of the culture things and they love culturally appropriating, made a short film about John Henry and stuck it in one of the special features of the one one of the DVDs I had. Really? Yeah, and I was like, what the fuck is Disney doing this? But he did, he did it, it, the way they presented it was John Henry just did it out of pride. Like, I'll show you all... Oh, yeah, no, I'm sure the... Yeah, I'm the, sure Disney the... Did
1: it out. The pro labor argument of that tale got a little diluted in the Disney version <laughs> of it. Is what? But you're it was
0: weird to see Disney do John Henry. Oh, I would imagine. I mean, they kind of fucked up and accidentally did a Bugs Life, but I wouldn't <laughs> think they'd do that twice. <laughs> I love a Bugs Life. I do. I do too. I do too. I there's love a, there's a some Bugs problems Life. with Kevin Spacey and oh, there's, and, but, but and he's the Austin. villain,
1: so why not? If you're but, gonna be an asshole, let's kill him with a bird.
0: Shit, yeah. But oh my God, that that movie. Just show it to your children. Show it to children a lot. Make it the Disney movie you show to your mm-hmm. children, show it to your children. Yes. It's good. Yeah, <laughs> it's it good. is, yes. Uh, so, something else he said, and this is right back to the, the inefficiency. The first effect of shortening the working day results in the self-evident law that efficiency of labor power is an inverse ratio to the duration of his expenditures. Now, that's a very formal way of saying, obviously... Something is bigger if you make the denominator smaller. So, like, you know, if you have, like, 6 over 50, and you make it 6 over 30, that's a bigger number. It, it, yes. Duh, right? That, yeah. Um, and the denominator of of the efficiency of labor power is how long you do it. So, if you're mm-hmm. lengthening the working day, you're not getting more... Um, not getting more efficient work, not getting a, a higher rate of exploitation unless, you know, the numerator went up at a, at a higher rate. Uh, so now he's saying, well, so you have this thing where you're trying to link in the working day, get as much work as possible. Because a, a capitalist issue isn't really trying to just pay for the least labor. It's trying to pay for the least to get the most profit. profit. So if you pay less per laborer and multiply the laborers, you're doing better. Oh, yeah. But the big key there is still paying less per laborer. So this is talking about layoffs. Yep, like sending people out that the job list. We got a machine. Mm-hmm. Does your job now. You can fuck right off. And you come back when when you can operate this machine in a way that gives us cheaper, more. Yeah, comes come back, operate it cheaper. Give me more value on my thing. Mm-hmm. Until then, you can fuck right off. I got a machine. Once
1: I now. kick you out of a job, and as someone that that dealt with layoffs, that 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 went through layoffs very recently, some it, it's. You don't realize it in the moment when it's happening, but it's when you can reflect on it that it really kind of shows. When and, and you see this in the the Great Recession, or whatever the, we want to call it, is a prime example of this phenomenon. When when capitalists find a way to to, you know, when the when when you, you're no longer needing a certain amount of labor and you lay off that labor, the closer you are to a layoff, the more Dependent on that system, you become because you will do anything in your power to not, you can't afford, you don't, your mind can't reconcile not having a job, not having a means of subsistence. It's like psychologically traumatizing to you. So you don't care what you get paid the next job. You might, you might say you do, but at the end of the day, you want a job, period. You need a job, you You need something. something to subsist on. So when everybody in mass got laid off, and then now we hear that the economy is booming and everything's... Gr- Everyone came back, but no, it's not like we all came back at what higher rate. We went down. Our wages stayed basically the same or fell, whereas, you know, CEO pay and executive pay and all of that stuff has risen exponentially. Things that are vested in the
0: market went up exponentially. Well, let's remember, too, when people say the economy's booming, they just mean the market's going back yes. up, so the stocks are going back up, and a lot of those Trump tax cuts and stuff... don't. And then- Oh, Th- those just went straight to stocks. Yeah, and so it's just a false inflation of stocks. The economy's not getting any better. Exactly.
1: But that's the thing <laughs> you keep hearing pre- is, is oh well we're back to and now we're it's it's a it's a workers market or right? less yeah less less unemployment but they're part time gigs exactly Gig, how many yeah how many crossovers do you need and, to make that happen and are you fully employed? At a lower rate than you were before. Are you fully employed but not not making any... Because again, when I kick you out, you become... You need me. When I show you you're not invaluable, when Beyonce comes in and says, don't you think you're irreplaceable, you you get that feeling. You bail, It builds into you that, oh shit, I am trash. I am garbage. Okay, I don't... Des- I, I, I have to be in this job. So the more people you can run through that cycle, the more you see that doggedly loyal person at work that, that yeah. will not question the company line and yes man no that person's probably done seen some shit it, they may just be a, a bad person uh, but they, they probably have been in a position where they realize how transient what you have is
0: yeah Jesus yeah it's, yeah. Nathan,
1: Nathan's, Nathan's, got some, Nathan's got some yeah I mean this today. is
0: this but is, no, it's... no. This is a chapter where you're you're opening up, and 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 I was. I, this has been an us podcast, but I felt a lot like it was a it was a heavy me a medium out you. Now feels like it's a heavy you podcast. And that's good. <laughs> I want a heavy you podcast too. <laughs> I want to get in this together. Oh, we're in. This was. I, I I've read this book once before, and read some other Marxist things that you haven't read yet. But uh, I, this was never meant to, to have some weird teacher-student-y feeling. I've always kind of gotten that. Today... Oh, I'm fine with that. Today, no. I feel like I've been kicked back to an even level with you. And that's where I want to be. <laughs> Yay!
1: Yay! No, I'm fine. Yeah. No. Lecture at me. All
0: no, right. we're good.
1: Um. So, yeah. So, where? So uh, numerators get bigger. Denominators get smaller. You're We can yep. replace you. Yeah, we can replace you. So,
0: now we're going to get down to the end of Chapter 3. And it's going to say there cannot be the slightest doubt that the tendency that urges capital so soon as the prolongation of the hours of labor is once for all forbidden so the the labor laws things like that Mm -hmm. and of course you know we've cut some of this out with hourly Uh, to compensate itself by systematic heightening of intensity of labor and to convert every improvement in machinery into a more perfect means of exhausting the workmen must soon lead to a state of things in which a reduction of the hours of labor will again be inevitable on the other hand, the rapid advance of the English industry 1848, that specific time, whatever, do-do-do-do-do-do-do, surpasses the advance uh, made when, uh, when it was 10 hours, surpasses the advance made when it was 12 hours, by more that the latter surpasses the advance in the half century god, god these words got mealy i know they got, really um, they got really mealy but what he's saying now is is as the day gets shorter you're exponentially getting more efficient yeah you know uh if you go from 10 to 12 hours or 12 to 10 hours and you go from 10 to 8 hours well 10 to 8 is 20% of your day 12 to 10 is less than 20% you know i mean this is getting more efficient yes. is what he's saying
1: so 100% and that's and that's where it gets okay. uh whew. It gets fun. And that yeah, that's taking us to four, correct? Yeah, that takes us to four. Oh, where fucking Mark starts counting the number of factories and puts <laughs> charts and graphs in there where it's like here Jesus. There's four. more
0: charts and graphs in section five Jesus than section four. Christ Carl <laughs> But I do like section four. No, a it's lot. section four is important. Section it's, four is good. It's the factory, so yeah. yeah. And and he actually and and you'll notice and he uses the term not manufacturing or the manufacturer. He just uses the term manufacturer. Yeah. And he, this is where he starts differentiating manufacturer from the factory. They're the same in nature, but he, it's kind of got this machine tool mm-hmm. uh, element, right? Manufacturer, you've divided labor. You're using these tools. You're trying to get things more efficiently. A factory, your division of labor is in line. Um, it's hyper efficient. Okay. It's a plug-and-play system. Okay. It's it's an assembly line. And this is one of the few. Again, this
1: is important when you talk about context. This section especially, Marx. This is where the historical placing him is important. Yeah. Marx lived, Engels lived, in Manchester. Yeah. Manchester was where they were established. The kind of factory system that existed in Manchester was fundamentally different than the kind of manufacturing that was going on in, let's say, Birmingham. And this idea. It, it, so, if you want to contextualize this to America, because we're, you know, xenophobic or whatever we are, and we, we, we only understand America, Detroit. Yeah. Is Manchester. man Manche- the, the assembly line, the major factory, the big steam Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is is very much in the 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 line of, of Manchester. These you think these industrial cities kind of thing. Birmingham so Los Angeles, New York, these kind of places where you don't see there is this there isn't this big the factory doesn't exist, the assembly line isn't there is another way that that capital can branch and and Marx fundamentally thought that the factory model was going to take over. His his fear, his one of his fears was that this was going to be where everything would go. This would this would push everything else out because it was so efficient and so so good. And you're talking the assembly line. The assembly line, the, the, yeah. the Detroit Pittsburgh model. We live in this world now where we know that's not 100% the way it played. That there are kind of competing models here. So again, anytime because someone is going to say, "Well, but he didn't he, he predicted that this was how manufacturing was going to so be. no, he 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 understood locally his version of how capitalism had had evolved and 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 thought based on what
0: he saw that that was what was going to take over. Uh, well, something, too, and, and he sees the potential of this. It, 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 when you have a libertarian, uh, who is the greatest inventor to these capitalist-loving oh, liberal don't s- people? Is it Einstein or is it Musk? No, it's going to be Ford. Oh, that one. The great Henry Ford. Oh, everybody made expensive cars until Henry Ford came along and invented the assembly line. To remember who Henry Ford is. I mean, this oh, is a Nazi! Dude, yeah, I mean, this is the dude <laughs> that... Uh, there's no such thing as Nazi Germany if Winston Churchill and Henry Ford aren't fully supporting Hitler in the yeah. the Weimar Republic. Yeah, no, it, I mean... He's a, he's it, a it's a totally, you know, and and so Ford was a... Dude, but also, this great idea that Ford invented the assembly... He applied it yeah. in the most profitable way... possible Or most profitable industry we've ever seen it. But the assembly line was around for Marx to analyze. Yes. Marx wrote this book in like 1863. This was way prior to... Henry was Ford no was Ford. like six years old when this book there. was published. Not just written, Pub- published. Yeah, <laughs> Marx was not... Six-year-old Henry Ford did not invent this in front of Marx's fucking eyes. So no, no. every time someone tries to tell you that, just just punch them in the balls with actual history. Yes, we Use had, this book. We had <laughs> it. And again, there, there, there were
1: things on, I think, you think it was on assembly lines? I think they were talking about flowers. In Paris, Parisian flowers were like one of the most, artificial flowers were yeah. one of Paris's most profitable exports. Those didn't go in this factory style. Those were done very much in the artisan kind of groups of artisans in in kind of clumps, kind of again, very much in the way Los Angeles runs their their economy, Um, where you would do all of it in one spot and then take it all over to another spot. uh, Japan in the 80s decentralized a lot like this. Japan in the 80s, their car manufacturers. this is a huge distinction between the way Ford did, Ford ran everything linearly through one factory. It all came in one end, it came out the other end. Boom, you're done. In Japan, you had people literally and it, it sounds hyperbolic in their addict producing one portion of one part of a car, and then they would all export their portion of the car to, to whoever was putting them together. They'd put them all together and go. So when you'd have depressions in you know in style of a certain part or something like that, instead of the company, Feeling that shock because oh god we can't make all the cars. It's that individual person feeling the shock, and they would outsource it to somebody else. So again, you can see there are different ways of viewing. Marx was good, but he wasn't omniscient. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So so I mean, remember Marxism, and this is a good analysis. This is where he really got in. He spent was it forty years of his life Uh on on just labor on value, Uh value on on value. I mean, so when people say, oh does does. How does Marx so damn sure about know, labor's value is you're just trusting with that? Not only did he, I mean, we read the boring chapters at the beginning where yeah. he just drove the fucking on yep. and established like inarguably this, 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 this. There's no escaping Marx's right about labor producing value. But of course he did that. He studied it for 40 fucking years. Yeah. So this book is really Marx's expertise. But in or out of this book, there's nothing about Marx that should be like, written or, or or belief in the man you know I mean again he talked about he he wrote some problematic things in here oh, yeah. nothing about that should ding Marxism because Marxism is a and it sounds so arrogant to call it a science but it, it really is <laughs> it is yeah. it's a science it's a scientific system of understanding the material realities of the world. It's yes. dialectic materialism. And there's and
1: analytical material.
0: There's analytical Marxism.
1: There's all sorts of... That's the other thing, too, is if you think that Marxism is one big, giant, conglombed blob... It's not. <laughs> and try and shove the failings of every weird branch of that blob... That, I mean, again, I we, we we do this... I think the more you do this, it's dangerous, but, but thinking that your friend down the road Republican is in is the same person as the Proud Boys. You know that's asinine. You know that's not true. Right. That there can be gradient again, don't don't do not mistake what Marx, you know, Das Capital or any of this for, well, but this one country in South America didn't work that one time, so Marxism's flawed Shit, no. people, well, and,
0: and and really, those those countries usually do work and they exactly. get undermined. By the CIA, and yeah, yeah. Exactly, and exactly consistently. The, but but again, but even if that mature, were... even if it were true, even if they were yes. right with all these lies about these countries, yes. that wouldn't damn Marxism. Yes, but also on the same thing, you know, if you got like one of those YouTube arguers oh, uh, out there and they're like, well, you know, Marxism hasn't ever really been tried in the world, and oh, d- d- that's you know, not only are they they wrong about yeah. Marxism itself. Kind an asshole. That's not that you know that that argument doesn't apply across the board for all Marxists because that's no. that's not that's not a Marxist argument. It's no. some douchebag branch of Marxism that yep. that is mostly just labeling themselves Marxist and they're incredibly ideological mm-hmm. and you know so yeah. I mean you're right. You know Marxism is a is a system of theories. Di- it's a dialectical materialism, and it's applied to socioeconomic progress. Mm-hmm. Um, and by applying it there, you understand the material evolution of the world, and you understand the class structure and the actions you must take in order for the continued evolution to be just. And you use that just evolution to organize, uh-huh. and then you use other theories, like we talked about, we're going to be reading mm-hmm. Lenin next, uh, Mao, you know, uh-huh. uh, Gramsci, uh, Walter Rodney, it, is Walter Rodney the guy? No. Am I thinking of the right name? The, the guy that does Pan-Africanism. Oh, God, i got no
1: idea. No, okay, you know maybe Walter
0: Rodney. I'm I'm still still baby I might burning. have the name. I'm still baby-burning my way over here. Let's not. Okay, it, I think Walter Rodney's the guy. You know, you use those theories yep, yep. to understand how to apply that to revolution and allow that, that just, uh, the next step in that dialectical materialism to blossom in the world rather than allowing barbarism to flourish undeterred. And so just remember that. Um that was kind of a big tangent for chapter 15 no, but it's important. So we're going to go back to uh the factory thing. So yes. along with the tool the skill of the workman in handling it, in handing it passes it over to the machine. The capabilities of the tool are emancipated from the restraints that are inseparable from human labor power. So remember the machine does what the human does. Mm-hmm. So now The tool is is liberated. It's it's no longer, it doesn't have to be wielded by a human being. The machine will do it. Free tools. The tools are free. And he says, therefore, the technical foundation of which it is based, the division of labor and manufacture, is swept away. Uh And so this is how we go from manufacture to the factory. And he goes on a little later, and he says, among the attendants are reckoned more or less all feeders. Who supply mm. the machines with the material to be worked? In addition, these two principal classes, there are numerically unimportant classes of persons whose occupation is to look after the whole machinery and repair it from time to time, such as engineers, mechanics, joiners, etc. You know, uh, software engineers, you know yeah. those guys. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Uh, he says this is a superior class of workmen and, and, and oh, no, not superior. <laughs> the super- Ubermench cool. of workmen. Yeah, not that superior isn't like, uh, <laughs> but this is kind of in his class strata thing. Yes. So we're workers, um, and there's there's proletariat and there's bourgeoisie. But in the bourgeoisie, there's the petty bourgeois, the small business owners that actually don't exploit other people, but they own the property where they, they could so that they remain unemployed themselves, and they can fall in the proletariat. Uh, there's lumpen proletariat. Those are the peasants. Uh, there's proletariat and there's there's a high class of proletariat I forget the word for it and that's where engineers and stuff go and uh-huh. basically typically socially they tend to side with the petty bourgeois um, where they'll do bourgeois politics that don't fully interest them uh, I can tell you how many fucking libertarians I'm surrounded by <laughs> doing programming uh, but honestly that's kind of a pull a ladder mentality we're really all proletariat yeah um, so he says the superior class workmen, some of them scientifically educated, others brought up in the trade, is distinct from the factory operating class and merely aggregated to it. This division of labor is purely technical. So this is for those people who like, well, what about skilled labor? Because that's mm. what it is. It's skilled labor. There's a class strata below, but but we're still exploited. The problem is, is <laughs> we see a natural... It's the same thing that, that motivates the, the bourgeoisie. I mean, just technically... they're they're at odds with you, right? Uh, My skill, being a skill, is the only thing that keeps me from being a regular proletarian. So if I want to have a means of comfortable subsistence versus getting by where I just have to get paid my means of subsistence, I have a negotiating power that isn't entirely kept in solidarity, but I can also rest it on my skill. If my skill becomes universal, all of a sudden, they're eating at me. Uh-huh. Now, I can see that as a system-wide problem. Oh, let's teach all the kids to code because that's just the fucking capitalist trying to come at my job directly. <laughs> but if I'm an asshole, I don't want you to code, or, you know, maybe I'll see a workers walk out on strike and I'll be like, well, I'm a skilled guy. I don't want to be part of that. I'm not going to be that fucking asshole, but you better believe there's a lot of skilled laborers that are. Yeah. Um, so, you know, but on the other hand, you know, some of those guys are organizing in unions the most. Even, again we talked about there's some reactionary leadership in it but it's the most progressive the best thing you can see in the world it's the most yep. most marxist thing you can possibly do outside of the actual revolution to turn a socialist yeah um so he goes on a little bit but i want to touch on that i mean as a skilled no, laborer yeah. because I, I understand because i've been a skilled laborer and i've been an unskilled laborer and most people aren't most people get educated through school and then they jump to one yep um I've seen both aspects.
1: And that was, you saw it the other day, the things that give you hope, that video. the I mean, again, you want to date this a little bit, but there was, did you see the video going around on, I think it was on Twitter. It was definitely oh, on the, Twitter.
0: Oh, the, the factory, the factory walk. The factory yes. walk. The actual, now, like, organized yes, walkout. Yes. Now, I will say also that the guy who recorded that got, got fired.
1: Ordered. Yeah. Which, again, you want to see how the system...
0: You punishes you, you yeah.
1: if you show if you shine a light on. Hey, here's a tactic right, that works. They could fire
0: all the other guys, Mm-mm. so they they as a whole state employee. Yep. But the guy who dared to expose that to the world, oh, bam, he's uh, done. Solidarity know. is important. Yeah. Solidarity and if you don't is think, if you think that but you, you you have to, and that's militants. So militants is not. I mean, it, at some point it's got to go to that when we get to a revolution where, you know, I own a gun and I'm ready to use it. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully you want things to have as little collateral as possible and you can have a peaceful revolution with just the threat. But the threat has to be tangible. We have to be ready to fire oh, the yeah. gun. Oh, um, yeah. So, you know, I mean, there's a point where that happens, but that's not necessarily militants, it's armament. Militance is a diligence to your class. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is putting your own interests aside. So this guy got fired. For showing the solidarity, but he showed the solidarity. He said, look, we're doing this together. Check this out. This is amazing. Yeah. Everybody, you know, not just feel good about this, but no, you can do this in the workplace. Feel yeah. encouraged yeah. to do this. And he got fired for it. He put his own interest behind him. That's militants. When people are at a protest and there, there's cops firing tear gas at protesters mm-hmm. and you're putting your body, that's militants. No. <laughs> militants is putting yourself to the side for the interest of your class. Because you know all of this is in your interest. The whole revolution is yes. in your interest, but you have acute interest, and at times the entire revolution can come in conflict with your acute interest. And when you set that aside, that's militants. and we have to be militant. Yes. So. Just. a... It's, no, <laughs> it's it, been quite a chapter that I did not expect it to branch out. It, well, like this. no,
1: but it's going. It's just. But it's, it's all good conversation. It's impossible. It's impossible to get through this and not.
0: Not, not see
1: yeah. all the other parts pull out of it, and not see again yeah. the how many. I mean, you're reading through a book that was written in the 1850s, talking, trying to talk about, you know, something that was happening alive then, and you can if you can tie it this clearly to now when people, yeah, and hand this, wave this as a as fairy tales and nonsense. It's 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 not. It's very very acutely. Yes relevant and and yes and And i will say
0: i love because we said we'd do nora editorialism the first episode that's gone
1: oh (laughs) did we oh if we said that no i lied that's edited out that's gone we lied lies
0: lies Lies. and slander so then he goes on a little more he he talks about the machinery in the factory says since the motion of the whole system does not proceed from the workmen but from the machinery a change in persons can take place at any time without interruption of the work So that's what's important about the factory and what's different from what you were saying with these other systems. In a factory, the machine does the work, and there still has to be people monitoring it, putting it in, being the feeders. But, you know, I mean, whether it's these these skilled labor engineers, these feeders, whatever they are, that are are making it work, the machine is still doing the work. Uh Um, So other than the skilled labor, who actually really is plenty replaceable by other skilled labor if it exists, the feeders are incredibly replaceable. It just makes you less valuable. It makes your means of assistance so much harder to ask for. And a good tie uh, something I, I I don't think
1: I clarified this well enough when I said it originally. So when I'm talking about the, there are two kind of models for for labor that you can look at or for, for capital mm-hmm. labor that you can look at. And it's the, you know, the Detroit model, the factory line, the assembly line. The other model is not some like enlightened, great mo- I'm talking about sweatshops yeah, oh yeah. sweatshops are your other option that's not that is much less one person ma- you know it's not everyone standing on a line working an individual part of a machine it's mass labor incarnate it's i give everyone a sewing machine i put 3000 of you in a room with a sewing machine we're going to make nike's let's go was it
0: 2014 where the sweatshop in Bangladesh collapsed and killed like a mm-hmm. thousand people that. so again when Jesus. we when we talk
1: when I talk about Marx you know didn't envision I there just were,
0: of that when you said switch I'm no
1: Marx about. had Marx had a view Marx thought capitalism would evolve to everything was factories everything was an assembly line everything was Detroit because he thought that was the most efficient model and it's the only one that made sense in his head is how it would go he was wrong that's not a great thing because now we just have both <laughs> we have yeah. the fun assembly line and then we go and then at times when the assembly line because again they talk about it sometimes the machine isn't the most economic way of doing it yeah. sometimes the sweatshop is and when I go that route hmm, I still can exploit sometimes my labor it's the equally it's equally horrific it's equally yeah. bad it's equally exploitative it's just it, it cap, again you cut off one head it has more comebacks. It's, it's a hydra, hydra. <laughs> it, it will hydra. not stop yeah. so that I just I, I feel like when I talked about it earlier I made it sound like the other model was preferable it's not it's equally
0: shitty just different yeah uh, so then he goes on, he says, a lifelong specialty of handing one and the same tool now becomes a lifelong specialty of serving one and the same machine. Machinery is put to the wrong use with the object transforming the workman from his very childhood into part of a detail machine. In this way, not only are the expenses of his reproduction considerably lessened, but at the same time, his helpless dependence upon the factory as a whole, and therefore upon his capitalist, is rendered complete. He has everywhere else. We must distinguish between the increased productiveness due to the development of social process of production, and that due to the capitalist exploitation of that process. In handicrafts and manufacture, the workman makes use of a tool; in the factory, the machine makes use of him. Dear God,
1: that's it, that's one of those that's one of those stingers.
0: That's ugly. Therefore, the movements of the instrument of labor proceed from him. Here it is the movements of the machine that he must follow. In the manufacturer, the workmen are parts of a living mechanism. In the factory, we have a lifeless mechanism, independent of the workman, who becomes his mere living appendage. That is ugly. And it also explains a lot of mentality with people too. You know, oh, the capitalist pays me. You know, I mean, we've we've learned the assembly line. As an economic model of human morality, and so these capitals provide jobs when they're really just exploiting people. It's the factory, the assembly line is that personified through a machine. Yes, it's 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 grotesque. Um, it's it's amazing that there's a lot of people who've done dystopian fiction, science fiction, some good, some absolute horseshit coming from anti-communist snitch bastards that we won't mention. <laughs> um, you know but any of that dystopian stuff sounds scary if you you yeah. know can put yourself in that that arid image uh, one of my favorite authors is Philip K Dick, Dick yeah. a fantastic dystopian author marx was describing reality <sighs> 150 years ago and it's dystopian as fuck mm-hmm. and we think of it as normal yeah
1: if you, if you wrote 150 years ago about what was happening in Amazon warehouses, people would be like, oh, the horse! Yeah. Again, wait, factory acts, things are bad, things were bad
0: then, things are not yeah. just bad. And that, now. that's something to consider because, you know, I mean, shit was pretty bad 150 years ago. Exactly. Um, so then we go another page, it says, the lightning of the labor even becomes a sort of torture since the machine does not free the laborer from work but provi- deprives the work of all interests. So this yeah. machine that was supposed to give you this break has all of a sudden... Just made you mind non-valuable. numbing. Exactly. Yeah. You know when you're out there. Yeah, mind numbing. When you're
1: cr- when you're building something, when you're when you're productively again more alienation from your labor. I, it takes all of the joys of what the the things about labor that we enjoy. We have found ways to strip all of that out and and boil it down to
0: its bare, boring uh, essentials. Yeah, you know that's completely different than I read it, but I think you're right. That's what he meant. I was reading his interest like the value you hold. Oh, okay. Cases. But I think you're right because Marx has talked about alienation of labor, and because we, I mean, we talked about the socialist economy. You know, you do for the community what you, uh-huh. what you, and and hopefully it's by choice what you believe. But at some point, people have got to be asked. You need to be this cog in the system, you know, to, to make sure we make the food for everyone and the, the stuff. Um, but you're still doing it for the benefit of the whole system. It's not for some fucking guy who's sucking money off you to make more profit. Uh, so alienation of labor is a big part of Marx. So I, th- I think you actually read that right, and I read that in a strange way that actually works as well. No, I um, think yeah, I think both of them are valid, but I think it just again, I, 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 I think he meant yours. Yeah. But but you know, I mean, you can you know, one two ways. Like we just said, you know, it, it goes from this thing freeing you from work to this thing freeing you from work having any value, and you, mm. you all of a sudden like have no value. Uh, but it's also this, going from this thing to free you from work, to this thing to. Fully, you know, alienating your labor—it's even less yours than it was before. Yeah, you can't claim when I go when I—that's depressing. When
1: I build when I build a table or something like that, or I built you know a chair, a swing set. I can show I can every single part of that I can I can point to as to I understand how it worked and I did it. And and the factory work takes every bit of that. To, it puts you in such a small
0: hole that y- you. Oh, and can, I've worked in the factory before too. I a lot t- of times now, something people actually kind of fought for is not staying in the same station, they so rotate. it doesn't break down your body, so they rotate. So, you don't even think like, oh, I'm the guy who attaches all the valves on here, yeah. you know. In order to survive and not have a worse job, you're just the guy that moves from station A and to sta- station B to station C to station D. I did the it, day.
1: I did it one day before I started with uh, oh. our prior company. I worked in a factory one day. as uh, temp work, and I, I'm not cut out for it.
0: I'm, oh, I did it, I did it for six months at an insulation foam factory, and... Uh, most of it, you're sitting there watching the assembly line to make sure stuff like essentially is a QA. Yeah. And the most boring one because you it's impossible not to stare through it and almost fall asleep, as when they drop the little seal to go around the mm. lid and then heat the seal down and shrink. And oh my God, nothing is more destructive to your brain and eyes than yeah. staring at that fucking thing. Going, did it heat the seal on? Like, how do you know if there's one or two of them that fell? It's impossible. It's, it's yeah. It's, but you it's, have to do it. That's your that's your job. Or you're a Um, Then he goes, The place of the slave driver's lash is taken by the overlooker's book of penalties. Mm. All punishment naturally resolve themselves into fines and deductions of wages, and the law-giving talent of the factory, Lycurgus, so arranges matters that a violation of his laws is, if possible, more profitable to him than keeping of them. This is a big line for me. This is a very big line in general. In general. Okay, so... (sighs) The... Marx talks about comparing labor to slavery and obviously slavery is worse because in chattel slavery and he talked about, they were treated like property they were just running the ground and killed if, if they were cheaper than a, than a mule and cheap enough to replace you know, I mean it's just un-fucking-believable how grotesque chattel slavery is, especially in the U.S. South yeah. that said the nature of slavery and the nature of wage labor are the same and like he said, the slave driver's lash is taken by the overlooker's book of penalties. Is taken by, and they were talking about fines and stuff back here. But you can think of it like not getting fired <laughs> is all of a sudden replacing the lash, and you're driven by this 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 fear of penalty as a negative reinforcement, rather than this desire to do your job or need to be a part of something or, or something that's a part of you. Um, again, it's it's a very brutal realization of what alienation of, of labor is. Uh, I also think of it immediately, and I think of drug tests,, mm, yeah, because people and they have the excuse, they always have the excuse it's for safety, yeah. I mean, and, and there's always the excuse for something, right? You know, I know the excuse for the cops is for the, the you know, I mean, they, they have all their excuses. But the excuse is for safety. We have these drugs for, for safety make sure people aren't hurting themselves in the factory. Places with factories, whether you work in the factory or the office, always have drug tests. Yep. It's for safety. So you don't hurt yourself driving these machines and da, 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 da. Well, well, there are two reasons for those drug tests one so you know you can get fired any time mm-hmm. and the, the employer is you know keeping up on you so that's in your head yep, right because now you gotta think well if I smoked weed and they test me in the next six weeks I'm fired so now you're essentially thinking about that job your whole life Um, but that's not the main point the main point is liability if you fuck up and you hurt your toe right or you, someone else fucks up and your toe is hurt and they're staring down the barrel of workman's comp And they can get you to piss in a cup. And because you smoked weed five weeks ago, and they can say they can't tell the difference, they can say, well, you hurt yourself because you're high. Now you're fired, and we don't have to pay for a workman's comp. You better believe that's a win for them. That is why they do drug tests. Wow. That is why they do drug tests. And sometimes they'll mix up, like we do random periodic ones. That's just a facade. (laughs) (laughs) To say that the drug tests are are for real, and for as little as that costs them, that, again, you know, I mean, it keeps their workers in line. It lets them fire problem people. Oh, my God. Or maybe they come in and they say, hey, you failed your drug test. Uh, Well, we can keep you on, but you're on edge. You better be real good and productive. Just the leverage. I mean, it's just unbelievable leverage. But the primary thing is skirting out of liability. That's what drug tests are all about. They're not for making a workplace safer. They're not for making it better. They're even not even for keeping people away from illegal drugs on their off days. You know, they're... Yeah, cap, for,
1: again, think, remember everything goes back to profit and, 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 yeah, and benefiting they, the capitalist. Capitalists have no interest in... They re- inf- liability. Yeah, they have no interest
0: in, in and, enforcing moral No, judgments. and they're not going to get into a better drug test that maybe costs a little more. Because, of course, it costs them. And that'll be, excuse it costs too much. But they're not going to get into a better drug test that can say if you smoked weed that day, if you hurt yourself. Hmm. If you get popped for four weeks ago and they get out of liability, they're happy. Perfect. Great. That's Ah, fantastic. Yeah. Damn it. And then we're going to wrap up section four with Economy of the social means of production matured and forced in a hothouse by the factory system is turned in the hands of capital into systematic robbery of what is Mm -hmm. necessary for the life of the workman while he's at work. Robbery of space, light air mm-hmm. and of protection of his person against the dangerous and unwholesome accompaniments of the production process. Asbestos. <clears throat> not to mention, yeah, asbestos. That's, that's prevalent right now. <laughs> uh, not, not to mention the robbery of appliances for the comfort of the workmen.
1: God. Oh. Was Fournier wrong when he called factories mitigated jails?
0: <laughs> wow. And, and he, I've never heard mitigated jails. I, I heard tempered Bag notes, See that, and I didn't know what bag nose. In those factories that this have been must the be long, jails.
1: yeah, in those subjects that have been the longest subject to the Factory Acts with their compulsory limitation of hours of labor and regulations, many of the older abuses have vanished. The improvement of machinery in itself requires, to a certain extent, improved construction of the buildings, and this is of advantage to the workers. ba bah uh, bah for bah. There you are. Yeah. So basically, saying that the Factory Acts were part of were were to help fix this and and improve the conditions, kind of. But Proto OSHA. Proto OSHA. Yeah. Proto OSHA. Um. And this is and English, we'll, English product. English product. And we'll kind of get into this, but this is there's a one of I think the more and, and again maybe maybe this is one where we can just we we I need to see the side of it I can't find, but there's there's some weird problematic implications that they get when you're getting into the acts and these regulations um, because on the whole the theory should be that the regulate you need to regulate these industries yeah or they will they will ruin everything sure. And then there's the side of it where, oh, shit. If you regulate, when because there becomes a certain point where, again, it's just self propagate It's like the system takes on this perpetual motion. Mm-hmm. And then the regulation is just a straight negative, even though it's a, a hampering on the capitalist... It's still in their interest. They still want it. Yeah. Think about any any regulation that regulated, you know, you
0: have to go through X number well, of certified the, the enforcement is gonna be by people on their side. Certific
1: so you have to get certified for this, you have to go through this, you have to get this this mm-hmm. judgment for it's, it's it's simply pushing out people that don't have the existing capital to compete to to start up with that. Yeah, it's, it's pushing it's, out poor. It's consolidating your stranglehold on a particular industry under the guise of, but we're making conditions better for everyone and we're making everything better. So it's like, well, fuck, man, where how do I win here? Because the cap the the liberty, you know, you get on the the TV and go, well, we're we can't regulation, we can't, no rules, no rules, just right Outback Steakhouse, and that's like their fucking libertarian platform Um, but then the rules are in their interest so it's like no rules they do whatever they want rules they fuck it up what how
0: god damn it you you need to understand the difference between a reactionary and a technocrat Uh, because reactionaries are why we have fascism and technocrats are why the world is able to devolve into fascism Uh, fascism is just capitalism in distress uh huh enforcing its own power manually. Okay, capitalism is built on pervasiveness. Oh, this this NGO is sponsored by this this PAC that's sponsored by three ex-government employees that are still paid by the government. So it's not government propaganda because it's three times removed, even though all the money directly traces back to the government. And all of the narratives of it are, are how the countries where America wants to go into war and topple them are all evil. You know, I mean, that's that's capitalism. It's very pervasive, right? And technocrats know you have to maintain that. They also know, you know, you have to have the certain welfare state, things like that. And technocrats they, they still, they're completely, I mean, just like, you know, companies might do something like pride for good yep. marketing, but only if it's profitable. Technocrats care about the little man when it upholds the big man sucking every last penny out of him. Okay. Um, a good... Good summarization of technocrats in the modern world is the Democratic Party. That's where they get this big, I'm the adult in the room. I know where things work because they're fucking full of technocrats. Okay. Reactionaries are the assholes that are like, screw that. We used to just hate black people and suck them on slavery. Why can't I fucking do that? Right? They're the drunk asshole that are like, why isn't this easier? And so the regulations are in their way. (laughs) So it's which brand of ruling class service do you want, right? Do you want to trick the worker and poke and prod him and suck every last penny out of him? Mm Or do you want to look at the worker like a piggy bank and smash the fuck out of him to get to those coins inside? They both feel very, very malicious. They both
1: are very, that's, very malicious. That's
0: a, and that's a thing. Te- and, and so when you're talking about these these libertarians that the regulations are in the way, but then you're talking about these regulations actually being in the interest of capital, they are in the interest of capital. That's the technocrat brand. Mm-hmm. But they're in the way, according to the reactionaries, because they slow down the profit guzzling or they make them deal with, oh, global warming. Now i got to go convert things to ethanol, but I have a fucking oil company and we just toppled Iraq for me. Why are you in my damn way? So,
1: So libertarians are just capitalists with a death wish and yeah and, and, and very little foresight technocrats are capitalists that have like seen how the book ends and are like well let's extend this party for as long as humanly possible
0: yeah yeah i mean the, 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 the technocrats are the the cia yeah right and um, excuse me oh. reactionaries are the the kooky guy and iron giant that screamed to nuke the town <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that guy. Okay, so... All right. <laughs> I mean, that's th- that, that's just the way it is. All right. Yeah. None of those are on your side. No, they're not. But there is a difference. There is. There is a and, fundamental difference, yeah. Yeah, there is a fundamental difference. But they all serve each other, even in spite mm-hmm. of that fundamental difference. That's the contradictions of liberalism that Marx sees. Um, so that that's, yeah, I mean, you, you have to understand that to, to understand the, the regulations. <laughs> Anyway, um, after that fun tangent. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about the division of labor specializes in this labor power by reducing it to a skill in handling a particular tool. So as soon as handling of this tool becomes the work of the machine, then with the use value, the exchange value too of the workman's labor vanishes. The workman becomes unsalable, like paper money thrown out of currency by a legal enactment. That portion of the working class is thus by machinery rendered superfluous no longer immediately necessary for the self-expansion of capital, either goes to the wall in the unequal contest of the old handicrafts and manufactured machinery, or else floods all the more easily accessible branches of industry, okay. swamps the labor market, and sinks the price of labor power and its value.
1: way Look how layoffs help everybody. Look how look how advancing <laughs> machinery, and enhancing your technology, allowing you to lay off a large portion of the population... Is just designed to serve.
0: Yeah. Did capital. we mention that the name of the section was a strife between man and machine?
1: I don't know if we did. We definitely, definitely didn't. Uh, it's also called the struggle between worker and machine, and my weird version of it. It's so. strife
0: and struggle. Yeah, it's, it's so much it's more closely good. aligned. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, so he says, since machinery cont- is continually seizing upon new fields of production, its temporary effect is really permanent. Hence the. And so again, you know, it's just yep. temporary for this thing, but it's always happening. Yep. Uh, Hence, the character of independence and estrangement from which the capitalist mode of production as a whole gives the instruments of labor and to the product against the workmen is developed the means of machinery into a thorough antagonism. Therefore, it is with the advent of machinery that the workman for the first time brutally revolts against the instruments of labor. Mm -hmm. The instruments of labor strikes down the laborer, This direct antagonism between the two comes out most strongly. Whichever newly introduced machinery competes with the handicrafts or manufacturers handed down from the former times. So he's talking about the first worker uprisings. Mm -hmm. And so this contradiction that we went back and we really revealed in chapter 10 is when we open this up. This is this coming to a head and materializing. And machines are the ones that are making things desperate enough to do it. Um, because they're laying people the fuck off. And mm-hmm. people who like the fuck off rise up. Uh, he goes on through a bunch of fucking charts. Oh my god. Uh, I highlighted something after the charts because I thought it was important, but I don't want to get it in the charts, so no. it's some Buy stuff charts. about the steam engine.
1: The number of power mm, looms decreased by 20,663. Carl, nobody cares. Yeah. Uh, anyway, well, he's
0: talking about the cotton crisis. So yes. uh, the cotton crisis led directly to a panic, right? Uh, the panic of 1865? Was that the year? Uh, yeah, uh, 1865. Eighteen sixty-five. Panic of 1865 was caused by machinery and steam engines get, and cotton, and it mm-hmm. was something that affected the U.S. and the U.K. very, very badly. Um, it was the also the crisis in the U.S. that led to the Civil War, along with the Dred Scott case yeah. and, and all that One, Yeah, the, the
1: economic instigator of that particular... Yeah, uh, so that,
0: I mean, that I think that's why I highlighted it. That tells you directly how economics affect, you know, world history and Everything evolution. Goes. Everything else. Um, then he goes on right at the end of the section says, On the other hand, the same dispenser of consolation defends the, lowless of the chil- lowness of the children's wages on the ground that it prevents parents from sending their children at too early of an age into the factory. So this is saying, oh we're only paying the kids less so that their parents don't just send them full time we're protecting the kids that's that's the way capital likes to go
1: it's yeah it's nice that you've managed to turn you've managed to make the parents of the children
0: the bad guy in this case yeah like you've made them you're defending the children from the parents by paying the children (laughs) less less. yeah so you you gotta love that Um, great I just had to get that sentence out there there's a whole lot of context a couple paragraphs I don't want to read all those but I get the sentence tells you what happened